I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. Going viral seems to be everyone's dream these days, an instant overnight success. It sounds pretty perfect, doesn't it? In January 2019, this is exactly what happened to my friend Kelly Cuthbert. She is a model, actress, and influencer who divides her time between Los Angeles and Toronto. She was working the Golden Globes as a promotional model when she became a viral sensation for accidentally photobombing celebrities. Kelleth instantly became a worldwide phenomenon in a matter of hours, waking up to paparazzi in her driveway. But having millions of eyes suddenly thrust on you comes with so much more than you might think. Kelleth is opening up with me to share her story on the craziness of going viral. I am honored and thrilled to share her story with you. Listen in. So, Kellett, where did you and I even first meet? I was trying to think of this and I couldn't remember. It's been a minute. I want to say it was like maybe 2013. I'm not sure. It's been a a long time. For those who aren't familiar with Kellett Cuthbert, tell us, who is she? (laughs) I am an (laughs) actress, model, dog rescuer is what I call myself. (laughs) The trifecta. Yeah, I've been a a fashion model for, I think, 13 years now, which is very scary how time flies. Disturbing. Yeah. (laughs) And then been acting kind of throughout that time, but acting more seriously in the last year. Okay. Yeah. I've seen you doing a bit of acting stuff here and there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been interesting. (laughs) How did you get into modeling originally? I, around 17, I started just randomly getting scouted by a bunch of agencies when I would be out and about. I think the first one happened sitting in a Tim Hortons, <laughs> so Canadian. And then I, I met with agencies, but it wasn't something I had ever considered. I, I wasn't particularly serious about it. I had never thought that modeling was even a possibility as a career for anyone, especially not myself. Uh, I just never saw myself that way and didn't think it was something that I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I met with agencies and got kind of the same agencies that had scouted me and got kind of a lukewarm reaction and was like, okay, I I don't think this is, you know, something that is going to work out for me. So I kind of put it out of my mind. I went to school, was getting a degree in social work where Mm -hmm. I was working towards becoming a a mental health and addictions counselor. And in that time, I met a photographer that I became friends with on MySpace and I did shoot, <laughs> back in the MySpace days. Mm-hmm. And I did a shoot with him just for fun. And I loved it. Like I could not believe how fun and creative it was. So I began doing that all through university. It was like a snowball thing. Like as soon as I worked with this one person, suddenly tons more people were reaching out and I was like immediately getting paid work. And I was like, this is so much fun, so rewarding. So basically the day I graduated, I went running to the agencies, 
signed with an agency. And at that point I had experience and like understood what was required of me in the industry and was better at promoting myself to agencies and and selling myself. Hmm. So then what led you to LA? I met and fell in love with a person that was living in Los Angeles, uh, a photographer that I had worked with, cliche as that sounds. (laughs) And uh, he moved to Canada for almost four years and the weather was just, it was a hard sell. (laughs) It was was Canada. (laughs) It was Canada. And he's just such a California boy. He missed the beach. He missed everything. And it was just, uh, Toronto is also a much more commercial market, which was great for me work-wise, but for what he shoots, it wasn't really the right fit. So he was kind of itching to move back to California. And I am a big fan of the idea of just picking up, moving and starting your life somewhere new. And it was something I was dying to do. So I was, I was game to move anywhere where there was work. Didn't matter Mm -hmm. to me where it was. (laughs) And then you started rescuing dogs. (laughs) I did. I had loved dogs my entire life. I've had every kind of pet. I worked at like a veterinary practice, a pet store, foster kittens for the Humane Society as a kid. I've always been around animals. It's been such a passion of mine, but I've never had a dog until a couple of years ago. And I was bored one particular spring a couple couple years ago and was like, I'm going to foster a dog. Of course, I immediately foster failed, adopted him, and then <laughs> did it again, adopted a second one. And just wanted to find other ways I could help. So this really amazing organization called Pacific Pups Rescue been generous enough in allowing me to volunteer so much of my time and to pull dogs for rescue for them. So we pull dogs from high kill shelters that are about to be euthanized. Wow. Yeah. I got to personally pull 40 dogs since just May of last year. Oh my gosh. So how does that work? You, you, do you have to go to the different shelters to, to see who's on the kill list? Yep. Yeah. You can, you can look online at who's on the kill list. (gasps) A lot of great people who do a lot of networking online, which makes it super easy. And sometimes they reach out directly to you or you can look at, they'll have like Facebook groups or Instagram groups where you can see what dogs are are in need of rescue the most, like which ones are the, the highest priority dogs. And then from there, you just network your butt off and just try to find fosters for them. And then the more fosters you can find, the more dogs you can rescue, which is awesome. And then Yeah, it just depends. You kind of have to find out like what the medical needs are, the behavioral issues, and then sort of match them to the right people and make sure that it's a it's a situation that the rescue can handle. Like we we do take a lot of um, high medical needs dogs, so it's something Mm. that you need to fundraise for if it's like a crazy condition they have. Or we had a dog um, that I personally fostered that had terminal leukemia. Oh, yeah. So it was super sad. He passed away, but we did a lot of fundraising for his chemotherapy so he could live comfortably for his, uh, for his time that he had left. He Mm -hmm. he did a bucket list. It was very cute. What was on his bucket list? He ate everything a dog could ever want to eat. He took road (laughs) trips. He went to the beach he went to every That's dog adorable. park, met every dog. He made like a best friend. <laughs> he had a great time. That's adorable. <laughs> so when you got there, you you started modeling again and doing promotional work, correct? Yeah. So, yeah. And for those who aren't familiar, promotional work is event jobs. So as a model, so, you know, brand ambassador. And so that led you to working for... Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, so I want to know about going viral. As 
water girl? Like walk me through that. Yeah. So I was just working an event, just, you know, working my side. What was the event? So it was for the Golden Globes um, this past year, 2019, just working my side hustle as I always do. And event work is something a lot of models and actors do, especially in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It's so flexible. I mean, it's like pretty last minute work, which is great. That and bartending, things like that. Common, common areas where you'll find a lot of models and actors (laughs) because the nature of our business is very last minute. It's hard to commit yourself to things. So it's good work because it's, yeah, it's so just you plunk it into your schedule wherever it fits. So I was doing this job, which I had worked the exact same job for a couple different award shows and just ended up in a really high traffic area uh, in the background of a lot of photos. And it went viral and was just the most bizarre experience I've ever had. <laughs> like <laughs> at, at what point did you realize you were, you were going viral? I think I realized it partway through the event, like the, the red carpet portion ended and then we were working an after party, but there was a little break in between and my phone was just blowing up. And I was like, why am I getting all these notifications and people on the red carpet were saying you're going viral, but I didn't really understand if they meant like me personally or the event or like us girls as a collective. I just, I didn't really get what was going on at any capacity. But when I finally got a little cell service and was checking my messages, I was like, Oh my God, there's something really weird going on. (laughs) And so then what happened after? So after that, I just, it's just been like a weird roller coaster of weird events. Um, <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of good came from it. I definitely, um, if anything, I think the best thing to come from it, which I was thinking about the other day, was complete clarity of what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to go on the Bold and the Beautiful as a guest star on it, mm-hmm. and that made me completely sure that acting was what I wanted to pivot into. I mean, I still love modeling, still doing that, but it made me completely certain that. I wanted to full force go into acting, which I had been acting this whole 13 years I've been modeling, but it's been rules, acting rules as a model, if that makes sense, rather than as an actress. So this was kind of like a new challenge. And I was like, I love this. So it gave me complete clarity. I got to attend the White House Correspondence Dinner. I was like, this is such a bizarre thing to be invited to. But a lot of like difficult things came from it too. And I struggle with being like, I am very grateful it happened, but I have times where I wish I hadn't gone to work that day. A lot of bad came from it too. Really? Um, A lot. Yeah. It's, I think anytime you're in the public eye for anything, you're, you're opened up to intense public scrutiny, intense Mm -hmm. hate from the public. And it can be a very difficult thing to deal with when you didn't even intentionally make this happen. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know how, I don't know how one could prepare for it. It's difficult. These days I mostly get really nice messages from people, but there was a period of time when it was at its peak where uh, it was pretty ugly to go online. People were pretty cool. What were they saying to you? Just every manner of things. I mean, it was very, it was a very divisive thing. Some people thought it was really funny. I mean, it was just a freak occurrence. It was just working my job, doing exactly what I was told. But some people thought it was like really rude that I was in the background of photos. Some people (laughs) told me I should kill myself, (gasps) that I was ugly, that I was this, I was that. And it's just was 
people's opinions that I just had no idea uh, they would have based on such a lighthearted, silly thing. It, it was a lot. It's just the jealousy coming out. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I try not to take it personally. It was, it was very difficult at first to navigate that. Cause I just wasn't, wasn't used to that in any capacity. It wasn't prepared for it. It was just this thing that happened in the blink of an eye. And I, I don't think I was fully prepared to deal with the fallout of what would also come along with the positive, mostly positive, but a lot oh. of. Negative. What was the event? It was the Oscars. Uh, the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive platform, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, after, so even, how long ago was that now? So that was almost a year ago. That was last January, 2019. Oh, yeah. Will you work it again this year? No, no. Those, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to lay low. It's, <laughs> it's hard to because <laughs> it's being, being as I want to, uh, be an actress and continue mm-hmm. pursuing that it's it's hard to yeah you don't want to be too associated with something like that it's it's a fine balance I don't know it's difficult yeah I guess because you don't want to get branded as this one one thing right it's it's a hard game to play but then it's also yeah something that you can use to leverage exactly yeah so do you do you use that to be honest not really I <laughs> I feel like it's I think that a lot of people, especially online, know me from that moment going viral, but I mostly just try to promote work that I'm doing, acting work I'm doing and modeling work and hope that on that merit, I can get more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough balance. I don't know. I think a lot of people already know that that's where they know me from, but it's it's hard to say. I think, yeah, the long-term success will definitely come from from showing your talent and your merits as opposed to I think so. Yeah, you like that. Yeah, because it's just such like a flash in a pan moment. I don't think, I don't know how much a moment like that can really be leveraged. Uh, I think people's attention span is very short. So that moment happened, it passed, and then you have to move into something else to to keep people's interest. It would be so bizarre to be so bombarded by everyone. And then all of a sudden, okay, they're on to the next thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's the nature of the internet. It's a beast. We... We all have short attention spans. We find one thing uh, interesting or funny, and then the next week it's something totally different. If it even lasts a week, it's mm-hmm. pretty short-lived. <laughs> I wonder, like, could you even, like, do people ask you, how do you go viral? Could you? Even- I've been asked that. I just don't think there's any way you can force something like that to happen. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's certain online personalities that are talented at, creating scenarios in which that is more likely to happen. I'm not one of those people. I, I don't know how they do it, but I admire people that kind of understand the formula, but I don't think you can ever fully predict what somebody will or what the public will find interesting or not. Mm-hmm. It's pretty random. I think a lot of it's just chance, but it seems to be more and more common. I mean, there's just, we see so much content every day. It makes sense that uh, there's more and more things that are peaking massive interest. It was funny too, because I was getting bombarded with messages because people had seen, you know, that you had worked for us years ago for Femme Fatale. And then, uh, and I was getting messages and people were messaging me even on LinkedIn and saying, was this planned? (laughs) Was this staged? (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Friends like that I haven't seen in like 
so long too said the same thing that just everyone that I had ever known got messages of people trying to find out information. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't even know how to make sense of it, let alone people I knew from so long ago. Because <laughs> they're saying it's genius, genius. Right. But you, it's interesting. Yeah. You have the inside perspective of, uh, of organizing events of just mm-hmm. knowing how, what a freak occurrence that is. Mm-hmm. Normally those things are, are really quiet and low key. <laughs> now focusing on, you know, the acting, why do you, why do you think that you like acting more than modeling? I don't know if I like it more. Uh, I just like it in its own right. I, I really love both. Um, I think acting is more complex and more challenging mm-hmm. in that you're developing a character rather than, I mean, I think modeling is interesting in its own right. You you do develop a character. Your job is to interpret the mood of clothing and to transmute it to different characters. Um, but I just think that's like to a much larger extent with, with acting. Did you ever watch that TED Talk, Looks Aren't Everything, Believe Me, I'm a Model? That sounds really familiar. Her name is Cameron Russell. Yes. Yes. I did see that. So good. And just, yeah, Mm -hmm. how how she's like, it's not actually me in the photos. It's a carefully constructed, you know, image by a bunch of professionals. Exactly. I relate so little to, like, when I see photos of myself, that's, it's not even me. Like, it's just myself as a model, but it's just not, it's not representative of me at all. Isn't that funny? And then... Because yeah, that's that's like when I was visiting my mom in the summer and uh, we went to the Canada Day Parade and we were just, we were sitting on the side of the, on the curb, you know, as the, the, the float went by and, you know, ran into some people that were, that we knew growing up or whatever. And my mom said the next, the next week she was out and she ran into them and they were like, oh my gosh, Emily looks so different than her photos. Like she wasn't all dressed up and glam and... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how people see these photos and they think that that's everyday life and that's what it look like. But it's, it's so much more than that. You know, I, I'm not going to (laughs) get professional hair and makeup done to go to Stratford to see my mom. (laughs) Right. But I think that, I think that's the the trick of social media, which makes people feel so bad about themselves is we Mm -hmm. just see people's highlight reel. We see people at their absolute most beautiful and best. And it's just not, it's not real at all. I try to post a lot of stories, especially of myself, just being normal and gross <laughs> in hopes that people know that that's me. I mean, I, I'm not a fancy person by any means. I don't care. I do love getting dressed up and, you know, looking beautiful for photos, but I also, at the end of the day, like to take all of that off and just be gross and disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at a family thing and my aunt was saying, how do you know so many gorgeous, perfect girls? And I was saying, they don't always look like that. You know? Right. It's like, I feel like mostly just, yeah, most of them just look normal in person. It's, it's just, true. Mm-hmm. it's just, it's hair, makeup, lighting, posing. It's, the, I don't know. It's just a magical industry in that sense. It's not real. None of it's real. I mean, of course there's people that are absolutely beautiful in person, but I don't know. I think a lot of people, with all of those elements factored in, could be surprised at how glamorous the photo could turn out. So how have you found living in LA? Because I've, I've always envisioned it to be quite cutthroat, especially compared to going from Canada. Yeah, I think I miss Canada in the sense that it was, you know, I felt more like a 
big fish in a small pond, I think it's easier to get work. There's, I mean, there's less work, but it's easier to sweep up the work in Canada because there's a lot less competition. Ah. Um, whereas here, yeah, it's, it's tough. It is more cutthroat. I wish I could love it the way that some people passionately love Los Angeles. I have friends that like would die for Los Angeles and I envy that. I wish I felt that way. I do love aspects of it. I love the weather. I love the multitude of clients that are based here. I think so many companies are based here. So many companies moving from New York that are now based here. And that's awesome. But I don't know. I do find people a little strange here. Do you? A little bit. A little bit. I think everybody's a transplant from somewhere else here, which I like that aspect. That's interesting. So nobody really is at home here, if that makes sense. It's pretty rare to meet somebody who's like a native Angelino. Um, yeah. So everybody's just from somewhere else. And I think a lot of people come here and play the character of like who you're supposed to be when you're here in Hollywood. And it's sometimes hard to make genuine connections with people here, I find. Has it changed you? I don't really think it's changed me. Just it's made me really appreciate my trips elsewhere and like just the realness of people there. Not to say I haven't met real people here. I have. I just think they're a little bit more difficult to find. Hmm. I think some of the most ambitious people in the country and from elsewhere moved to Los Angeles. And that breeds a certain hunger and a certain cutthroatness. I mean, people, hmm. people, they work really hard here. And I do love that quality, but it also, yeah, it can be, can be a little, a little tough sometimes to navigate. How do you deal with the rejection? I don't even think about it anymore. It's it's funny when I sometimes see friends that are in normal jobs post things like, oh, I, I'm so nervous for my job interview today. So scared I'm not going to get it. And I just think like, oh, as models, we have the luxury, if you will, of dealing with that sometimes multiple times a day where we have all these <laughs> different castings or auditions as an actor and you're rejected all day, every day. I mean, you get, obviously you get some work, but you're, you're rejected all the time and it just stops phasing you at all. Like mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, I go to these things and I, all I can do is my best. That's all I can control. I can perform at my best and like show up with a great attitude and try. And if I don't get it, I wasn't right for it. Or, you know, there's some unknown factor that I can't control. Mm -hmm. I think you just kind of get used to it. Not to say that it never stings. Like sometimes I'll audition for something where I just like love the character and I love the role so much that I really want it. But I guess you kind of have to do it and then just forget about it. And if you hear something, a follow-up later, that's great. And I mean, more likely you'll never hear anything. How's your confidence? I found over the years that some of the most self-conscious people are models. I think that's very true. A lot of the most self-conscious people I've ever met have been models for sure. Mm -hmm. I think mine's, Mine's a little shaky from, from going viral. Like, <laughs> the crazy messages people have sent me. Being under an um, intense light. <laughs> yes. It's been a little shaky this year, but all in all, I think it's not too bad. I, uh, yeah, I just take it with a grain of salt. I feel really fortunate that I've been able to do this for 13 years and make a living out of it, which is pretty rare. It is rare, it, for sure. It rare. It's a luxury to not have to show up to the same place every day and to not have a nine to five and get to work with different people all the time. And I, when I'm feeling down, I just think about that. I'm like, well, I get to do exactly what I want to do. 
I don't show up to an office. I don't have to to go anywhere I don't want to. And I, I get to be fun and creative every day. It's always something different. If you could go back, would you take this this same route? Absolutely. I finished my degree in social work and I did the whole schooling thing. Uh, I did the route that was expected of me, but everyone, I mean, in my high school, it was unheard of to not go on to post-secondary education. And it wasn't even presented to me as an option to not do that. And I wish I had considered that that's not something everyone has to do. I excelled in school. I did enjoy it. But I don't know if it was like took me on a path that I necessarily needed or wanted for my life. I wish I had thought outside of the box a little more and and maybe started modeling earlier, traveling earlier, because the best education I ever got was from working and traveling and owning my own business. Hmm. When you say own your own business, what do you I mean? I mean, as, as a model, as being so to speak, the CEO of my own company, making yeah. decisions, um, not working for someone else and realizing that how hard I work impacts primarily just me. And so if I want to succeed, if I want to um, achieve more or make more money or have more opportunity, then it's up to me and how hard I work and how hard I push and how hard I network and how much I spend my time working towards those goals. Mm-hmm. Do you still have an agent? Yeah, I still have agents in multiple cities. Um, I'm with Wilhelmina Models in Los Angeles, and they've been great. Um, I still work quite a lot in Canada. I go back uh, from time to time for work. So with Platino Models there, and I have a bunch of agencies in smaller markets and uh, international markets as well. Yeah, it's still... It's interesting, though, because the industry has changed a lot in the sense that I do find... I think because of Instagram and stuff um, and social media in general, it's easier for clients to contact models directly. So I do see some work leaving agencies. Yeah. The market is shifting and I find that very interesting, a little scary, but interesting too. It is interesting. It's, it's shifted a lot in, in the decade plus that I've been working. It's good because you have the experience now to handle that, you know, because you have to, when you're managing it yourself, then you take on all these extra roles. Right. Yeah. You risk being, you know, screwed over or signing exactly. a contract yeah. or. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be a shady business. Um, you definitely have to have to be knowledgeable, have to know how to, how to not get screwed over because it's, it's very easy to, to have that happen. Hmm. I definitely think that there's, we're going to see a big disruption in the, in the industry and how it goes. Because, yeah, we've noticed it the last few years, the change for sure. Hmm. Um, in terms of promotional events? Mm-hmm. You know, just how people book. And obviously, so some people are still the same, but then there's, you know, I think we'll be shifting more to software and apps and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of promotional companies um, do that to shift shift towards booking on apps, mm-hmm. um, which is also interesting. Yeah, kind of a, a streamlined way of doing things, just which is neat. The one thing it, that we've heard really is yeah that they want to be able to talk to the to the models or the event staff. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. What is it? What is the reason for that? I think they just want to get for the most part. They want to know who the person is, you know? Yeah, just get get a sense of if they're the right fit and going to be friendly and good with their clients. Mm-hmm. Instead of somebody just <laughs> yeah. showing up. Right. Yeah, I think people probably want a more personal experience. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think is some of the biggest misconceptions about modeling? I think definitely the the age old stereotype that models are dumb. I just don't. I don't think you can be a successful model and be stupid. I don't think that happens. I think. I mean, maybe in a freak circumstance that happens <laughs> where you're incredibly beautiful and luck into things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you can have longevity and be stupid. You have to be hardworking, very financially and business savvy. Modeling has a lot of highs and lows, lots of ups and downs. You know, you have months where you're absolutely killing it, months where you're, you know, worried you're going to become homeless and you need to be able to navigate both sides of that and, you know, squirrel away your finances for those slow times. And, and really, yeah, you, you are the CEO of your own business. You have to work really hard at networking. You have to constantly be setting up test shoots to build more content, especially now with social media, there's so much demand for constant content which is difficult. You have to be very concerned with how you present yourself online, um, being super friendly with your followers, with um, clients, with everyone. I think more work comes from just being kind to people than even the way you look. Isn't that funny? It's so true. Mm-hmm. Like for us, we have our our go-to list for, for stuff that we hire because we know... You know, there might be somebody that's quote unquote more beautiful, but if we know right. that they're a hard worker, they're reliable, they've got a great personality and they're really sweet, then hundred percent we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna go with them. Exactly. I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day, and he's a large investor and he was saying, you know, when they choose to invest in a company even, they'll go with founder that's you know, a B-list company over an A-list company. Yeah, the founder is just really hardworking and a good, kind person. So it's funny, kindness just kind of translates to all industries. It's true, it's so important because at the end of the day, I mean, in, in in terms of modeling, you're stuck on set with this person for eight hours plus. Do you want to be on set with somebody that makes you miserable or has no personality and doesn't want to talk to you or somebody that makes you feel good and that you leave at the end of the day like, ah, that person was a delight to work with. Like we just, we as humans don't want to be around shitty people. Well, it's difficult because I find in this industry, people, there's, there's a, there's a, a timeline and then a lot of people will start to get a bit of a diva mentality. You know, once you start mm-hmm. to get the success and where you get, you know, to be popular with your bookings and, which is great. Yeah. But then they start to get this attitude. Yes. And, yeah. And it makes it, yeah, really difficult to work with them. Yeah. I think you have to always consider how fleeting that success can be. <laughs> yeah. and, and it just doesn't matter. It just takes nothing to be kind to people. Like, I don't know. There's just, I don't, I don't think there's another way to be. Have you found that people recognize you on the streets? Sometimes, not incredibly often, because uh, as I said before, I like to be gross in my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> I go out a lot with no makeup on, with my hair all disheveled in a mess. Oh, same. Um, it's my favorite. I love it so much. So I feel like when I'm more made up or you know put together, I get recognized a little more often. I don't know if I would want to be recognized too often. I like my anonymity. I like walking my dogs in sweatpants. Me too. My favorite. I can't imagine being bombarded all the time. It would and be it would be too much. I had I had a moment where I encountered paparazzi in like a couple times in the in the couple weeks after the viral moment. What? And I had to 
Hey, I have to say, I'm kind of glad that that didn't last. It, it's a lot. Really? It's a lot. There were people in my driveway the day after, and uh, I was about to leave the house with, again, no makeup on, my hair like just a frizzy mess, sweatpants. And I was like, whoa, okay, not going to go walk the dogs. I'm going to close my blinds. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, how did they find out where you lived? It is disturbingly easy in America to find out where anybody lives. I've come to find out. Wow. They did. I mean, they, I'm sure they did a little digging through, through people I know. Um, eventually. Yeah. It's, it's not hard. And there's like services where you can pay a very small fee and find out just an absolutely disturbing amount of information about people. My goodness. Wow. And then they were just in your driveway. Cause wasn't it this, this was at night, wasn't it? This, yes, it was the, the following morning, like 8 a.m. They were in my drive. <laughs> I was like, whoa, how I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they found me that quick. And so when you eventually left the house, what were they doing? They had left before, before I left. Um, oh they asked God. a neighbor and the neighbor was like, oh, I've heard of her, but I don't know where she lives. <laughs> it was like my neighbor <laughs> that lives right next door. She, she covered, she's like, yeah, I think I've met her before, but. I don't remember uh, what unit she lives in. I, I don't really know. <laughs> so it, it bought me a little time, which was nice to get myself together. <laughs> so then when you did encounter them, what was that like? I went when actually when I went to Washington, D.C. for the White House Correspondence Dinner, there were paparazzi in the airport, which mm -hmm. I was also completely unprepared for. Yeah, it was just like, oh. It's also weird after a long flight to be like just mentally prepared for something that you had no idea was going to happen. Yeah. Just, just odd. <laughs> just yelling. But I mean, they're just, yeah, they're just doing their job. Always friendly with them. See, that's one thing. Yeah. I, I, I think I would uh, struggle with being friendly with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're there to kind of egg you on, you know? They Sometimes, want. yeah. They yeah. want you to do something newsworthy. Right, of course. Yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna air it if you're boring. Mm -hmm. Which I am, so I guess that, <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> to leave me alone. So what kind of photography does your, your husband do? He is a uh he does beauty and body is how he describes himself. So he shoots a lot of he was senior photographer at Playboy for a little bit. He oh, did that. Wow. He shoots a lot of swimwear, lots of makeup stuff, skincare stuff, a um, bit of travel stuff. He just actually got back yesterday from Japan where he was for a couple of weeks working on a book, a couple of different books of different topics, but all like Japanese landscapes and nightscapes and people and just beautiful ideas. We have a bunch of sitting next to a bunch of uh, film negatives hanging in his photos. Hmm. So they'll be interesting to see once they're, once they're scanned in. Did it bother you when he worked for Playboy? Oh, no, I thought it was awesome. He's just <laughs> like, he's worked so hard, harder than anyone I know to at his craft and to network and to be successful. So any achievement he has, I'm over the moon about. I think it's so cool. It's such an iconic publication, too. It did very cool. feel weird. He was with naked girls. No, and I, I think my job is equally weird. I mean, I think I'm... I thought about this the other day. I think I've had to make out with like a good dozen or more people over the oh course gosh. of years for acting jobs and things like that. And he's never batted an eye. I never thought it was weird. So I think that's 
I ask a lot more of him than he asks <laughs> in, that, in that respect. That's funny. Did you ever want a new Playboy? I don't, I don't know if it's for me. I don't know. I wouldn't say I would never do it, but I just, I don't know if I'm a Playboy girl. <laughs> I don't know. Once it's out there, it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. There yeah, ain't no coming back. The that's the thing about the internet nowadays. See, doing Playboy back pre-internet would have been awesome because it's just like in print. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think that would be cool. But just the internet, it just lives on forever. Yes. There's no coming back from that. It's, it's like, tough. When I see the like 19-year-old girls. Yeah. Like, mm, maybe wait till you're a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, some people some people know from a young age that they're they're comfortable with showing their body online. And I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. If you love it and you enjoy it, go for it. It's also just a body. Like every I mean, nipples, like everyone's nipples are on the internet these days. Who cares? <laughs> We've all got them. You um, sound like Kirsten. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I just think, I don't know. It's like I shot a couple like fashion editorials back in the day that had like a little bit of nipple showing. And I always think like when people resurface this stuff, I just think like, yeah, it's 2019 and you've just discovered that everyone's got nipples. Who cares? <laughs> so, it's so unimportant. I just think it matters. Like, are you a good human being or not? That's yes. it. What you what you choose to do with your time or your career is is up to you. Just all that matters is are you a good person? She so Kirsten, who I did you ever work with Kirsten? I don't think so. That's so yeah, sure. she was a model for many years and then she works she works in her office. She's been in the office for ten years now. But she's oh, also wow. done modeling on the side as well. Yeah. She was actually the first model I ever hired, one of the first models. Mm-hmm. And then we just hit it off right away. And I was like, okay, you're my human. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she has done a lot of artistic nudes. And awesome. people, not too long ago, somebody contacted her, was freaky. And they was like, oh my God, Kristen, I found this naked photo of you online. And <laughs> she was like, yeah, I know. I posed for it. <laughs> right. I was there. Yeah, I had the exact same thing happen to me recently where a friend was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I found a photo where I can see one of your boobs. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I know because I was there and I probably was the original person that uploaded it online. <laughs> like, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, she's really, she's like, you know, so what? Yeah, we've all got bodies. Yeah, so what's next for you? Just continuing to move into acting. I joined uh, SAG-AFTRA this year, joined the union, which was exciting. And I joined the SAG Conservatory. So I've been busying myself with a ton of acting classes, which has been really fun, really challenging. And it's horrifying when they film you in class and then you have to watch it and have them pick apart (laughs) your performance. But it's enlightening. It's it's been very cool. What are some of the the, uh, biggest things you've learned this year from going viral? I've learned that I'm a deeply sensitive person, first and foremost, mm-hmm. and to, to not take things so personally. Um, I've learned to let go of needing to be seen as perfect. I've learned that people appreciate a sense of humor, which I love. And I've learned that situations are really just what you make of them. And there's a lot in life that you can't have control over. So you might as well just have fun with the circumstances. So true. I love that. If you could do it over again, would you? 
I think so. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that if you shift or skip out on anything in life that you you wish you could undo, then it will have a, a ripple effect to everything else. Like it will dramatically change the course of your life. And I think a lot of good came from it that I'm super grateful for. So I am glad it happened. And also it brought me to the exact place in time where I found the second dog that I adopted. Um, he's been such a joy sitting in my lap now. It's been such a joy in my life. So I always th- think about that too. Like I, if it hadn't happened exactly as it had, I wouldn't have been in the exact place in time where I, where I found him. Why, where did you, was he at a kill shelter? He was, and he was paralyzed. He was partially paralyzed. I actually went in there to help pull a couple of different dogs. And then we decided we had room for one more. And I found this dog that's stuck in the medical ward. He was the happiest dog I've ever seen, but he couldn't walk. He just kind of dragged his back legs around. Oh. And I guess he had been there for about a month. And in the time in that month, he had gotten a little bit more use of his legs, but initially he had zero use of them, would just drag himself everywhere. He had all these sores on his legs from just all the dragging. So he ended up not having a foster. I had no intention of fostering him or adopting him, but he didn't have a foster. So I took him home a couple of days later and uh, he just never left. (laughs) (laughs) Getting adopted, my other dog who hates most dogs ended up loving him. So we couldn't let him go. And he's just so sweet. And he's regained full use of his legs and he can outrun me now. Oh my gosh. So did they ever realize, figure out what it was? They didn't. He went to see so many specialists and everybody just said, well, he's not in pain. So I wouldn't do a surgery and let's just keep waiting and seeing. He was on a couple um, anti-inflammatories that seemed to help over time, but mostly he just kind of, we built up his strength by massaging his legs and his back. And he would just do a slightly longer walk each and every day until he suddenly was sprinting. Wow. Wow. That's wild and amazing. <laughs> I have three. Oh, three dogs. Yeah. Remember you had a little Yorkie? Yeah, I'd have more if I could. <laughs> but it uh, breaks my heart how they have the kill shelters in the States. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because it's such a, it's a community problem. People get really angry about the existence of kill shelters, but it's like they exist because of the community. I mean, people, a lot of people don't spay and neuter their pets. A lot of people dump animals just on the street when they're, when they're done with them, when they're old and they don't see them as cute and perfect anymore and these shelters have an obligation by law to take in every dog or animal that's brought to them so once they get to capacity they don't really have a choice but to kill and it's horrible and fortunately there's a ton of rescues here which helps minimize the problem a little bit but there's still so many animals that are euthanized every day and it's just it's really really awful yeah because i know in uh i'm pretty sure it's illegal everywhere in canada to euthanize it. I've checked it out, but like the, the, the Toronto Humane Study, they don't, they are, there are no kill shelter. Oh, good. Good. They adopt over 10,000 dogs a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Some of the shelters in Southern California will have like a thousand dogs at any given time. I've been to some packed with dogs and it's, it's insane. It's crazy. Especially in the summer when it's like at its peak, it's just crazy. That is wild. Just so many. The city ones are in Los Angeles are not as bad, but some of the some of the county ones are just brutal. Mm-hmm. 
Well, where can people find more information about you? They can follow me on Instagram. It's at Kelleth Cuthbert. Uh, Twitter is the same. Facebook is the same. Try to keep it consistent, easy to find. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today and sharing your story. It was nice to catch up. So nice to catch up.